the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. So says the psalmist, and what a great place to begin on the Sunday of our annual meeting when my sermon is meant to be a mashup of sermon and rector's report. I'll do my best. On this precise day last year, the Reverend Sally French was elected Bishop of the Diocese of New Jersey. That in turn meant that this precise day last year was the day that we began the process of saying goodbye to Holy Family's beloved rector of 12 years, the Reverend Clark French, and sending him and his family forth to serve God and church in the Diocese of New Jersey. That was also the day, I am sure, that Laura Collins realized that the role of senior warden that Diane Robertson was about to hand off to her looked something like a freight train coming down the track. (laughs) My heartfelt thanks to Laura and Drew Shores, our junior warden, and all the members of the 2022 and 2023 vestries who met the challenges of saying goodbye to one rector and discerning what would come next with such grace diligence, and good cheer on Holy Family's behalf. To my surprise, and perhaps everyone else's as well, what would come next in part was me. I say surprise because what we're doing is a new thing in this diocese. Back in the day, the usual practice when a rector left was for the rest of the clergy staff and sometimes all of the staff to tender their resignations. Although that hasn't been the case for a while now, it is still new for a priest already at a parish to step into the role of rector. A vestry now has the option of calling a priest already on staff to serve as priest in charge for two years, during which time the priest and the parish discern together whether that will become a permanent relationship. I will be forever grateful, humbled, and happily surprised that this is the option your vestry chose. Thank you, not only for entrusting me with this work in your midst, but also for entering into it with me. A particular thank you to my beloved colleagues, old and new. I serve with some of the most faithful, hardworking, and funny people I know, 
and they are an absolute blessing to me and to us. Holy Family's witness and ministry is mutual and blessed work we have been given to do for the glory of God's name and the realization of God's dream for this world, and I am so grateful to get to be part of it. The mutuality of that work is central to my understanding of church and of Holy Family's ongoing call to be church. It's why I object to the use of the word volunteer in the context of this community of faith. Participating in the life of Holy Family isn't volunteering, it's being church. We are, all of us, ministers of the gospel by virtue of our baptisms. And this is one of the places given to us to live that out together. This is also why that quote from Rowan Williams is on the front of our bulletins. Each one of us is called to be working steadily for the release of the gifts of others, both inside and outside our walls. And we lean on others who are doing the same for us. This is one of the actual concrete ways and places given to us to love God and neighbor. It's what Paul is talking about when he says, love builds up. If I could invite any one person to come address us on the occasion of our annual meeting, it would definitely be Paul. I am so awed by what he was able to understand and say so soon after Jesus' death and resurrection. I mean, we have centuries of times of talking to figure out what we mean when we say things like triune God or baptized into Christ's body. Paul did not. He is, in fact, the reason we talk about ourselves as elbows and shoulders and feet who together make up the body of Christ. We owe Paul our understanding of ourselves as essential parts formed to function as one body. And it just amazes me that he was able to articulate that so clearly and thoroughly, so early in the church's existence. In today's passage from Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth, he has two main concerns, both of which are essential to our life together as Christ's body. What does it mean to be free, and what does it mean to love? The presenting issue is meat that comes from animals sacrificed to idols and later sold as food. Is it okay to eat that meat, or should it be avoided because of its tainted pagan origins? Paul responds, is it okay to eat that meat? Of course it's okay to eat that meat. The idols aren't real, so it doesn't matter where the meat came from. Bon appetit. However, and this is a big however, there are some in your midst whose faith is a little shakier. They're still worried that eating meat sacrificed to idols will somehow be an offense to Christ. So leave off. This may mean missing out on goat stew, but your yummy dinner counts for nothing next to your neighbor's faith. Loving your neighbor is everything. Eat beans and rice instead of meat is nothing. Proceed accordingly. And what is at stake here is what counts as freedom for Christians. For Paul, followers of Jesus Christ are part of a community called together by Jesus Christ. We are enmeshed in a network of relationships that connect us to other Christians. And that interconnectedness is the ultimate criterion for Paul. You may remember year before last that Holy Family made a pilgrimage to Stagville Plantation. 
I will never forget learning about their genealogy program, among other things. The program is focused on tracing the families and descendants of enslaved people from the Binahan Cameron plantations, of which Stagville is one. And the reason this is so central and necessary to the work that Stagville does is because the descendants of enslaved people don't know who their people are. Enslavement meant precisely this, to be torn out of community again and again and again. To be unfree meant to be separated from one's people and family and to have absolutely no power to stay. And this is what Paul is on about. Christian freedom is not a matter of individual rights and entitlement, but of being embedded in chosen, Christ-centered community. Christian freedom cannot be pulled apart from Christian community. We are free because we are Christ's and because we are part of Christ's body. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God and to one another. If we are Christ's, we are never ourselves alone. We know who our people are. We are always and forever bound to everyone else who, together with us, makes up the body of Christ. We are not free from one another, but for one another. And that is why Paul is taking the Corinthians to task. They are living in a way that privileges their own lives and actions over those of their neighbors. That is not Christian. That is unfree because it is unloving. This is not some ethereal abstract notion. It is as concrete as deciding what's on the supper table, meat from idols or bread and cheese with our neighbor. Every bit of our mundane daily existence matters because every bit of it has to do with how we live in the freedom we have together in Christ and as Christ's body. We have spent hours and hours and hours this past year setting up new systems for bookkeeping and church management software. Believe me when I say these are well outside my usual wheelhouse. Christology, sure. Chart of accounts, not so much. But they matter to me because they are essential for us. These mundane administrative details are made holy by the fact that they help us function well as the body of Christ. It's not abstract. It has to do with bill paying and pledge making and acolyte scheduling. There's more to it than just that, of course. But there is no part of our life together that is not caught up in our bearing witness to the love of God in Christ by loving Christ in one another. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, says Paul, do everything for the glory of God. Take a moment and look around. I mean, really look around. Look in front of you, look next to you, look behind you, across the room, up here in the chancel. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it, Paul says. We are not individuals standing on our own. We are one body. Our lives are measured by our obedience to God in how we live together, how we care for and are cared for by others in our midst, and how the care between us overflows out into the world. That is our proclamation. We different members form one interdependent body, each one needful of the other, 
each one proclaiming together the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, let all things be done for building up. Let us walk in love as Christ loved us. Let us give thanks to God for God's gift of God's self in Christ Jesus and for Christ's gift of one another. Here is how Paul ends his first letter to the Corinthians, which is actually also sort of a sermon report mashup. Let anyone be accursed who has no love for the Lord. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. What Paul said. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. And also, hallelujah. I will indeed give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.